Welcome to episode 23 of the Mere Mortal Marathon podcast, where you'll hear what it's like to train for and run your first marathon. I'm Dwayne France, and I'm joined by Coach Morgan Lattimore, the People's Coach, and together we're going to share the week-by-week training journey that'll take me, just a regular guy and a mere mortal, to the finish line of my first marathon. And since I was able to do it, you can too. Thanks for joining us for the Mere Mortal Marathon podcast. I'm excited to have gone on this journey and pleased to have you join me along the way. There's a couple of ways that we can continue to be connected. You can see where the journey takes me by connecting on Strava, by going to strava.com forward slash athletes forward slash in three podcast, which will be in the show notes. There, you'll see where the journey takes me. You can find all the episodes on the fundraising page for my charity partner, the Second Wind Fund, at coloradogives.org forward slash in three podcast. Simply by listening, you're doing your part. Every time someone listens to an episode, $1 will be donated to the Second Wind Fund up to $1,000. So listen, share, and know that you're doing your part to stop suicide in children and youth in Colorado. So check out coloradogives.org forward slash M3 podcast for all the episodes to give to the cause or to see how far we've gotten. So here we are, the final episode. You made it to the end. I made it to the end. We did it together. Whether you're listening to this as it's released or hearing it whenever you need to, hopefully it's been helpful for you. We're one week beyond the marathon, and this past week has been a recovery week. I did a 30-minute walk on Monday, another 30-minute walk on Wednesday, a three-mile run on Friday, and a five-mile run on Sunday. I'll probably take another easy week, then it's on to the next thing. So check out this one last coaching call, and we'll come back afterwards to wrap things up. So here we are, marathon week plus one. Plus one. Plus one. Oh my goodness. And how many weeks has it been? It was 20 something? So 20, this will be 20. We did 19, but yeah, so it's 20 weeks. So we're coming to the end of the journey. And how you feel about that? About the end of the journey, good. I really, I think it's gone really well. Obviously, we accomplished what we had set out to do. So that's good. I feel really good about, obviously, the feedback that we're getting. Like you've said, this show is helping people, and I think it will continue to help people. It'll sort of live out there. And some folks six months from now want to say, what's it like to train for my first marathon? They'll hear this, and they'll go through it. Yeah, I have a lot of athletes that, uh, and one of them, and she was she messaged me. She said, oh, I learned something from that last one, because she, she's I'm going to stay within myself. I'm going to listen. She didn't want to, because you, because we talk about the pacing part. She said, you ain't got to worry about me doing that. And she listens to every episode and she's been on the journey with us the whole time. And I actually shared the podcast with somebody today as well. But they was like, what are you doing today? I said, I'm last episode of this podcast. He said, what is it about? Boom. And she's training for her first full, shared it with her. So she's going to need it. <laughs> the same information applies to Ironman athletes. You might have to, to swim in the bike ahead of the time, but a marathon is a marathon. So yeah, depending like, on where it lands, you still got to run all of the miles. Yep, 26 miles, 26.2. So things I wanted to reflect on, I wanted to hit that early because I don't even know. My brain doesn't look backwards, so I had to like go deep into it. I don't, there's not much, man. I think that I don't, the gauging of the athletes that I have coached, I appreciate your promptness, your attention to detail, your post-workout comments. Oh, I totally appreciate it. Because a big thing is they put them in and athletes think, Oh, he's going to reply to everything. Where I was like, no, I'm just reading to see what's going on. Like, I'm watching. Like, that's how I watch. So if I was in front of you, I don't always need to say something, but I need to see, either read what's going on, see the data, read it, and paint my own picture of what's going on with you. 
But the more feedback I get, the better I am knowing what's going on with you. And as you tell, I'm hands-on, but I'm hands-off at the same time because mm-hmm. I believe you need to learn how to do things. And any questions that you need, because we talked every week anyway, so it was easier for us. It was, it was Some people have to make more appointments style with me because, you know, we all have different schedules. But it was good to have those notes because it allows me to know what's going on with you. Like, I feel like this. My hip, at the beginning, we had a whole lot of hip and body aches and pains and we we so we made the adjustments and a lot of athletes I would hope that when they're I usually don't hear about stuff to after it becomes a problem when I need to hear about it when it happens right even if it's not a thing like you ain't injured but you say I feel my hip at least I'm aware of that and maybe it depends on the, the point of the training we're in maybe I push you a little bit more or maybe I back off because I was like okay but I don't want the hip to continue to hurt and what did we do in this round to make the hip stressed? Or do we need to implement some strength training? And everybody's different. We did a little bit. We didn't need to do a lot. I, this is one thing I reflect on is make sure that people know that you don't always need strength training. It's a nice to have for some people because some people need that strengthening of their muscles, tendons, and things of that nature. But if you don't have time, like you just don't, you got to do what's most important and look at that. And go from there. The last reflection I have is, I appreciated this, man. I appreciated it and it was cool. And I'm glad that I decided to do it. I think I said it last episode. But even to this day, like you said, I'm still getting people asking me about it, making comments about it. And it's crazy how I can have a talk with you and my athletes still learn from that conversation because sometimes like other people just don't know the questions to ask. And so hearing our conversation has been eye-opener for a few of my athletes, and they've made some very important decisions based off of it. This is what I need to be thinking about is because it's easy for some athletes to just do as I say, but like when we have a new relationship, you don't really know what to expect. Right. And me and yours was new, and then but I had a couple other ones that are new as well, but they can see like, okay, one coach is telling them the same thing he told me because we all are heads sometimes. Right. And or boom, I never thought of it that way. I that wasn't even at the forefront of my mind, but this may be something I need to think about too. Nutrition was a big one. Yeah, I appreciate that especially. I mean, and this was sort of the idea behind this project that we put together. And you and I had talked about it at the very beginning is when you listen to running podcasts, or you read running articles, they give you the tips, but you don't actually hear what it's like to go through the coaching journey or the training journey. Like I right. haven't heard a lot of those episodes of people say, I worked with a coach, I did this much, and then I ran, and this is what the result was. But really thinking about, you said it in the very beginning, showing our age, but like the Truman Show, like this is a yeah. legit coaching yeah. experience from the beginning to the end and the ups and the downs. And, and I had a mentor of mine that he said that we got to show everything, warts and all. Good things, mm-hmm. bad things, because that's really how people learn. And I think that besides just the value to me, obviously, our relationship coaching me and getting me to the end of achieving this goal, that that's the hope is that people will learn from this and it'll just it'll be out there and people continue to learn from it. That's the key. I used to think you start a podcast, people are like, oh, on the other end of people start podcasts, right? And then they think about, oh, it needs to be this big giant thing. It needs to be this huge thing. And it's going to be, so I need to have a thousand million followers and I got to keep doing it over and over again. Sometimes, like, it's, it's, it's what I, a podcast, what I realize is just like a book. 
the information is there when you need it. That's the key. And so the more times I can make podcasts or be a guest on a podcast or create my own, I have my, I had my own right for a little while, but that season was over. This season is over. Right. And, but somebody else is going to enter this season at some point and having that placeholder or that calling card is like, you know what? Oh, you've never been. As a matter of fact, before, you know, you ain't never hired me before. There's a couple of ways I'll use it. You never hired me before. I work with other runners here. Here's this, here's the result. Right. Or, right. This is what you're doing. You don't you want to have a coach like here, listen to this. There's some things to think about. If you got questions, let's set up a call. Yeah. And I think that's, and you're right. Now we're outside the running and into this sort of podcast creating thing, but people think about something that five, six, 700 episodes, and they've been doing it for years and years. TV shows ain't like that. And even right. now, right. You got a Netflix series and it's a beginning and end. Even the longest running TV shows, people go back and binge watch it or what have you. But that's really the hope of this is, yes, it got us to to the point of doing this. And my thing is always, I want to help one more person. We're going to help one person, and then we're going to help one more person. And after that person is going to continue to help. And this is just something that's going to live out there. People are going to laugh at us and grin with us. I've gotten feedback. People say they they appreciate our interaction. It's the way that we work together. And I think that's really, it, that was really my hope was to show people what it was like to be coached. Just like for you, it was like, what is like to coach someone through their first marathon? Yeah. There's a lot of people that you, I talk to and they say, I'll get on a phone call with them the first time. Probably you didn't have one. I was like, what questions do you have? Well, I don't know what to add. I don't know what to expect. And I've even written a book about it, The Magnificent Athlete Journey. And it talks about what to look for in a coach because you always get that. No one understands what a coach does. So they, in the, for us as coaches in the business sense, people won't pay for something that they don't value. And if you don't value, that means you don't have enough information to, to make your own determination of what it, the value is to you. Maybe it's no value. Maybe it's a lot of value. And so me carrying athletes, they come and they go, they, we all have our season. That's one thing I got used to a long time ago. At first time I used to feel hurt a little bit, like, coach, I'm done. I'm like, oh, okay. It's, I just need a break. And, I, and it's almost, it's internal because you create these relationships with people. But over time you're like, it ain't personal. And my luck is like, well, I lose an athlete, I gain one. I lose an athlete. And I'm always, for me, I don't have the issue that some coaches have where they got people waiting to come in because I only take a certain amount of athletes, right? And because my schedule was tight. And so I want to make sure that I can still do the training plan, show up for that person. And if I need to jump, for me, it's not always, let's jump on a call on Sunday at 3 p.m. No, it's like, coach, I need you. So I need to have enough bandwidth open to be able to be there for the people that I've committed myself to. And I can relate to that from a therapist standpoint, right? Hopefully that's the whole goal sure. is you get a, a therapy client to the place where they don't need you anymore or things move on. And we used to say, especially in the clinical spaces, one person plants the seed, one person waters it, and one person harvests the fruit that comes from it. This is this long-term thing. But I even heard this morning and, and listening to another podcast, I'm a podcast guy, but what I didn't realize is something like only five or 10% of runners, even runners that are like serious, have coaches. Like it's not really something, yeah. Not really common. It's a very, even in any sport, really. What I've learned, triathlon, swimming, cycling, right? One, it's, it's a financial barrier sometimes for most people. Two, people just set their own way, so they do what they want to do. You got those people that actually need coaches sooner than they thought, or they want to try it off on their own. But the key is about having a coach is providing value in knowledge. 
Like I've had hundreds of athletes. So like when I could see as you, we went through this, these podcast episodes, we had to talk and I can look at a workout and say, this is what's going on, or this is not going on. Cause I've seen it a thousand times. So I ain't got to guess, but you hear these athletes are different, but they're the same. If mm-hmm. that makes sense. Right? right. People are still people, no regardless of where they come from, what creed color, sex or racial ethnicity, all that doesn't, it doesn't matter. Like we are still people and we still make mistakes. We still do great things. We still are learning every day of our lives. And that's what, that's what we bring to the table. And so you can help. I always have people, this is a big one for me. You have new athletes that are, because we all measure ourselves up against everybody else, which I am totally 100% against because you are your own value, right? But people come out there and say, I'm not fast enough to have a coach. I'm not good enough to have a coach because they're measuring themselves up against somebody else's physical or genetic abilities or work ethic because some people just have worked hard to be where they are and they say, well, I don't need a coach. I would challenge that and I always challenge it by saying it's not about you being faster or you being stronger. It's about going out there so you can enjoy the experience. And me as a coach, if I don't create the best scenario for you to have a great experience, it's likely that you won't come back. And so how can I continue to feed the endurance world if every time I coach somebody or don't coach somebody, they are having a hard time? And you know, as a therapist, when people have difficult experiences, they usually compartmentalize them, don't do it again. That's why people don't swim half the time. Why? Because they've had a negative experience, they've heard something, seen something, or been a part of something, and they say, you know what? It associates with the water. I don't want anything to do with it. So my job is to not just make you faster, stronger, and more intelligent. It's to make sure that you have the ability to enjoy the experience and have a positive memory of something that was of epic proportions for you in your life at that time. That puts me in mind of something that I always tell people, and especially, again, you and I have a military background, you and I just being men talking about mental health, just talking about just the way the male mindset works. And I used to say, if people have a bad experience with therapy, then all therapy is bad. They generalize it to all therapy. You're just talking about with swimming. But if they have a good experience with therapy, only my therapist is good. And that's the idea. And I'm curious if it's the same as if they have a bad experience coaching, then all coaching is bad or bad experience with a sport, then all sport is bad or all that. Like you said, stay away from water. But if they have a good experience with coach, it doesn't generalize. They just say my coach is good. I have a lot of athletes, probably about half of them that have come from other coaches. Mm-hmm. And there's a couple of things, not always negative. Sometimes you just grow out of a, another coach's. I've had coaches before that I'm, I've surpassed in knowledge because I just kept going. Right. And so you might have a, say, running, right? You've never ran before. So you have that coach that gives you technique and they get you moving and you're there. And, but that coach is good at that. And they're not an intermediate or pro-level coach because that comes with different data, different commitments and different financial commitments, right? So it's really finding that one that meets your needs. And if you have a great experience, the thing about it is with athletes, and I'm trying to really think deeply about this, First thing that comes to mind is like when an athlete really has a great coach, they don't leave. I got athletes that I've had since 2015, right, that have been with me for a long, long, long time. And that's a big, like my coach, I've had him for years, right, since 16 or 17. And so I think it's when you find somebody, your person as a coach, right, you have that great athlete-coach relationship, you keep them. 
usually there's two types of athletes. There's someone looking for the coach that fits them. And then there's the athlete that never takes ownership and blames it on the coach. And so they're always, you, you'll get them and you'll find them. And so they've had three or four coaches, it's like a relationship. They've had three or four relationships in six months. And, you, and it was the coach was like, but there's only a common denominator in that one. It's always you. And if, if you had, keep having the wrong coach, that means you keep looking for the wrong thing and just educating them and being able to do that. So I educate my, just like I you know, educated you, like this is what you should expect. This is what you like. I want to be the coach that exceeds your expectations because the biggest thing that I've heard athletes not get is honesty, communication, and you, tr you meet an athlete where they are, not where you think they should be, right? At, the coaches will come in and say, this is how you have to do it. I always tell athletes, if a coach tells you this is how it has to be done, then you should go the other direction because you are not that has to be because he probably had to be for the other 10 prior to you. Like our job is to be creative with the information we have, understand the body and develop something that works for that person. And, and then the honesty part is like, sometimes coaches don't, they're not honest. They're not, they won't say like, that's a bad idea. You shouldn't do that. No, you can't do that race. They just like, yeah, whatever you want to do, it's up to you. But it ain't like, it's not it's like they literally hired me to tell you the bad news too. Not just to say, yes, be a yes man. And then the communication is I text, you know, some of my athletes, I text on a regular basis. Some they get that one or two week. I try to like once or twice a week. I try to connect with my athletes if it's not on training peaks and just to see how they're doing. And some coaches like, or they just don't hear anything or you do a race. And you know, for me, like I got your picture, I will post it on my social media and celebrate you. Like I do things like that to really build the connection because your medal is just like that ribbon we used to get in first and second grade, right? You want somebody to say, good job. That's what it is. It's just our, it's just our ways of adults of replaying that in our head. That's what the bling is all about. It's that science fair medal. It's that perfect attendance ribbon. It's, that's what these things are. It's like, I showed up and did what I needed to do, and I did great. That's what it is. And kids need it. Adults need it. Humans need it. Yeah, and I recognize that. We all need, and it's not even, um, you know, we're all searching for validation, but it's the recognition of a hard thing well done. That's the right. goal. Like you said, this is this running a marathon or even the other work that you do, definitely an Ironman, it's outside the normal range of human existence. It's not yes. something you do every day. It's not something the majority of people do every day. You know, there are maybe some folks who want to do run a marathon a day for 180 days, but in the normal sense of day to day, this is something unique and it's something challenging. And I think that's the other benefit of this. And again, you and I have been through difficult things. The military ain't easy, basic training, boot camp. But I've been reflecting on that this week is that having been through a marathon, you could say, if I did that, I can deal with this. Mm -hmm. And in, in many ways, I've had some of those experiences. If I've jumped out of an airplane, I could do this. Or I've been through Afghanistan, I could do this. And for me, the marathon is yet another thing of, and this thing that I'm doing, whether it's work or some challenging, if I've been through that before, I know I can get through this. Yeah. I think you said it, like doing Ironmans, doing marathons, whatever it is, they're challenging. I just want to make sure we clear people. This is challenging. I don't subscribe to people using the word hard loosely. Everything ain't hard. Like, I'm going to be honest. Amer the first marathon I did was not hard. Why? Because the military taught me preparation. That's the key, right? That's why people are like, man, you make it look easy. No. 
Because training is challenging and I'm committed to it and I'm disciplined and I'm resilient. And that's, so when I do the race, he's like, oh, that looks easy. No, I've trained myself to be prepared for what's to come. That's all I did with you. This is what may happen. This is what you're going to feel at this point. Getting the legs ready, getting the body room. Try not to only focus on the physical adaptation, but the emotional adaptation. What am I thinking? How can I make decisions for myself? What am I feeling? How many times did you run in the past and not even think about how you're feeling mm-hmm. compared to the nutrition stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Or the pacing. You just go out there and do it. And whatever happens, happens. I deal with it. But if we can get in touch with how we feel in the sense of the word internally and not just externally, we can make better decisions, not only in on race day, but in life. Instead of just mindlessly doing something and saying what they call junk miles, just going out there and not having a purpose for what we're doing. Even if the purpose is relaxation, knowing that, okay, if it's relaxation, that means it should never be hard. Okay, not a purpose is tempo or pace or distance. Whatever it is, have an understanding of why you're out there. And it doesn't have to be performance-based. Sometimes it could just be human-based. Yeah, I, yeah this, is a good, this is a good episode. Somebody, <laughs> they're going to love this one. Go out at the top. And honestly, I, and this is something that I have noticed over this last training block is, and I don't want to say that I've missed a part of it. And I know that you and I had talked about it some, but for me, running was a place, a time where I could disconnect and it was problem solving for me. It was where I helped develop my creative sort of creative leadership, or I've got this situation, I'm trying to develop this other thing. And one thing I have noticed is obviously our focus on fueling and tempo and pace and things like that. This training block has gotten me away from that a little bit. And so I'm looking forward to this period of time before we start our next adventure, but I'm looking forward to this period of time as just being able to reconnect to that piece where I'm not trying to get to the, like you said, that if the goal is relaxation or if the goal is to get back into that sort of mindful runner mindset where I'm, we're not looking at, we're not clocking pace. We're not clocking time. We're not, that's, I think, like you said, that's another season of running. That's how, that's where you get the longevity. The people that usually burn out is because they force these expectations that society has on themselves and they adopt them. And then they say, I got to be this. I got to be this. I got to be this. I got to catch up. I got to be faster. I got to, I should have a PR. I should have a goal race. I should know. How about you just go run? How about you just be like, just go in a direction and say, oh, I'm going to run. And then you run one mile and you say, you know what? I'm, I don't want to run no more. Or I want to keep running and giving yourself permission to have the freedom to just enjoy something. That's what, that's a lack thereof in the, in society in general. And that's what called, that's why we need mental health professionals like yourself, because there's so much stress that we put on our, on ourselves. And we just don't, we don't just allow ourselves just to live and enjoy the presence of them. Sometimes you just run. There's some days that I'd leave my watch at home. There's the days where I would text my coach and say, you know what? I just want to run today. I don't want any parameters. And he'd be like, okay. And I might run 10, 15 miles. Right. And there's some days I'm like, you know what? I ain't feeling it. But I have to be honest with myself on both ends. Is it, this is what I needed? Is this the direction I need to be going? But for me, I, I don't really like road running. Like for most people who don't know that about, it, I don't like road. I, I, can, I can run and I don't like road running because it's just mundane. It's just the same stuff, right? It's the city. I live in the city. Guess what? I don't want to see the city. What I enjoy is trails. I enjoy going into the woods where there's no one else early in the morning, right? And like you run in the snow, like it's very likely that you are maybe the only person out there at that time. Colorado, a little bit different because they got some pretty adventurous people in that state. But like, it's, we got to enjoy it, man. The life is too short to build a box and then stay in it. 
Like we have to adventure out. We need to do a marathon. We do, or we go do an ultra or we go to a trail and you just test out things and say, you know what? I did it. I just don't like it like that. And then move on to the next thing. And that's okay. Yeah, I appreciate that. And again, I absolutely appreciate you. From the very beginning, I think I saw this as an investment, right? There's valuable things in this world, money, which is what a lot of people think of, but really it's time and expertise. There was an even exchange of time. You and I took time out to do this, obviously, but obviously your expertise for me will help me be a better runner, whether or not this one more marathon is one more and that's it, or whether or not that's something I continue to do, whether or not I go back to doing the half marathon a year. I think that for me, this was well-invested amount of time, and you're right, money to be able to help me be a better runner. I'm running better now, regardless of the marathon itself, (laughs) but I'm running better now than I ever have. Like even when I was running 10, 15 years ago, I'm running stronger, I'm running longer, I'm running faster times than I was even then. Maybe because I'm not jumping out of airplanes and deploying to Iraq and Afghanistan. I had some other things going on back then. But that is, but that's where I see the benefit of this is just, it's your expertise has helped me become a better runner. Like you said, will help me be a longer runner. And that's ultimately my goal. And I think that's a goal for a lot of people. Yeah. And I'll leave with this. Like I I have athletes that don't do any races. Just so people understand, like you don't have to race to run. You don't have to race to, to train for anything. You want to cycle, you want to swim, you want to run. Whatever it is, you you don't need a race to do it. Just do it. And I have multiple athletes that I got an athlete that has never done an event ever in their life. But they train with me every day and we've been together for like, going on three years now. It's not about the race. It's about you. I had an old Vietnam veteran tell me one time, he was like, the greatest painter you've probably never heard of because all they did was paint inside a room and never showed anybody a painting in their life. No. Nope. And that's okay, man. And I had to tell myself that I, like, I'm, I ain't been on my bike since I rode across America. And I'm not, I don't feel bad about it because I just don't feel like it. I like running. I go to the pool every now and then, right? And just sometimes you just got to do what your body's telling you. And when you're ready, you know what to do. Absolutely. Coach, this has been great. I appreciate the time. I appreciate the expertise. And again, like you said, I appreciate you joining me on this project because it's been really fun. Just outside of just the experience, I think this is a valuable project that I think people are really going to learn a lot from. So I really appreciate you and everything that you've done for me. Easy day, man. I thank you for allowing me to be a part of this journey and everyone else's. And I'm excited to see what's next. Let's go. there you go. Lots of great insights from Coach Morgan, as always. He said in the very beginning that there's so much knowledge required to run a marathon that you can't just dump it into someone's head. You have to teach it, but then you also have to experience it. And hopefully this has been helpful for you as you experience it. So as for what's next, I mentioned it on the last show, but I'm registered for the 2023 Marine Corps Marathon. So we're going to take what we learned here and apply it there. Remains to be seen whether there'll be more after that, but if nothing else, this has been a great experience for me, and I hope you found it beneficial as well. If you want to continue to follow me, I also host a podcast for PsychArmor, the premier education and learning ecosystem for military culture content. 
Each week, I have conversations with guests that represent organizations that support service members, veterans, and their families with a wide range of needs. You can hop on over to that show by going to psychomer.org forward slash podcast or by searching Behind the Mission on your podcast player of choice. So thanks again for joining us for the Mere Mortal Marathon podcast. You can hear mere mortals like you and me reach our goals as I train for the 2023 Denver Colfax Marathon. If you enjoyed the episode, we'd love to hear from you. You can reach out to me at Dwayne at VeteranMentalHealth.com. If you want to reach out to Coach Morgan to show appreciation for the excellent work that he does, or sign up for the People's Coach newsletter, you can find him at MorganLattimore.com. All of the links to each of these are going to be in the show notes. So thanks for joining us for another episode of the Mere Mortal Marathon podcast. And just remember, mere mortals can do extraordinary things.